remember her seeing her coming out and I was like looking in like the rear side view mirror and could just see her like very emotional and crying. And it was just like, all right, this is, this just got very real. Hi everyone. Welcome to season two. This is Shauna. And this is Rosalina. And we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but a journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you our raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. Hey everyone, it's Rosalina. And this is Shauna. Welcome back to the Too Young for the Ship podcast. I am super excited today because I have my partner Matt with me. I talked a lot about Matt in season one and I'm just really excited he's here and everyone kind of gets to hear a little bit about him and share his perspective on my cancer diagnosis and the roles he played during it. And thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Of course. Happy to be here. Before we dive into like the deeper questions, I want our listeners to get to know you. So can you please give like a, just a brief intro about like who you are? Okay, great. I'm 34 years old. I live in New York with Shauna and our little guy, Phoenix, our dog. I'm sure you've talked about it before. Yes, always. (laughs) (laughs) He's a great thing. (laughs) He's the mascot. He's he's very proud of himself. I work in retail construction and uh, favorite color is orange. I don't know. (laughs) This is like a dating thing. (laughs) I heard that you golf. Yeah, not well, but I try. He golfs a so lot. I try to get out as much as I can when yeah. uh, we don't have anything going. <laughs> and and fun fact, Matt played college basketball. I did. I didn't play much, but I was on a team for a couple of years. You're downplaying yourself, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, he did. He played college basketball for D1 school, and I always like we always like joke around and I kind of always like tell him he peaked in high school. He's like, I played college basketball. And he's like, I'm like she doesn't think it's a big deal. <laughs> he still peaked in high Some school. People. Some people think <laughs> it is a big deal. I just like to, to mess with you. I didn't play much though. So I can't, can't boast too much about it. So <laughs> let's get into our relationship. Can you give a brief intro about how we met and how long we've been together? And kind of our our story is so ridiculous. I had to ask her what story she gave. <laughs> the beginnings are a little fuzzy. We met probably what ten years ago. We've kind of known each other. We small towns, like neighboring towns, so had like in the same like friends circles and groups. So we kind of hung out a bunch after college, and then kind of started a relationship and kind of blossomed from there. And both lived in New York City. We got to spend a lot of time together in New York City. And then I moved away, went to Detroit, which uh, she wasn't thrilled about. And then I was there for a few years and then we rekindled everything. We broke uh, up for a year and then took a break and then rekindled everything uh, after a short little break. Mm-hmm. And then I moved back and then we ended up moving in together. Nice. Like, who made the first move? You know, Matt, like, you didn't explain that. <laughs> was it you? Was it Shauna? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I I guess I did. She doesn't remember. So she doesn't, she doesn't know where we had our first kiss, but I did. Apparently we had our first kiss like a solid six months before I thought our first kiss was. <laughs> it's so funny too, because I think like we started kind of like hooking up and I know like I like wouldn't admit that it was like something. And I just mm-hmm. kept being like, like I was like, oh, so you guys are like seeing each other. I'm like, no, like, no, we're not. And then like, I wouldn't admit it. And then he wouldn't admit it. And then we had like a conversation. We don't even have like a real anniversary. We just say it's the- We made one up. We made one up. It's the third Friday of January every year. So there's no like set date. It's just the third Friday. And that's our- It's like- Rolling anniversary. Yeah. It's like on brand for our relationship. And we forgot it this year. We did forget (laughs) it. At least both of you did, right? Like- Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. we remembered in like February. Yeah, it was like a week. Yeah, like the first week of February. I'm like, oh, we, we missed our anniversary. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, our relationship like timeline is, is a little fuzzy. We're just going to say that. Matt, let's get into it. Okay. The beginning of Shauna's cancer diagnosis. What were your initial thoughts when you were told that your partner Shauna was diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. I remember like the first, I don't know if it was like a test or exam that you went to. I think it might've been the mammogram or the PET scan yeah, or something before. No, it was a, the sonogram mammogram. Sonogram, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I Because it was like COVID times, I couldn't go in with her. So I was, right. yeah. I was in the car, just sitting in the car outside. I'm in the middle of like midtown Manhattan, just waiting. And just, you know, sitting there trying not to think about everything that she was going through, but like constantly thinking about it and not sure, trying to think of like worst case, best case and how to react and to, you know, try to comfort her and try not to uh, layer, layer on anything more. So it was very, I mean, I've never really dealt with, uh, never dealt with a significant other having something um, so serious like that before. It's like one of those, like, remember where you were? moments because I drive past there quite a bit or walk past there quite a bit in the city. So like constantly reminded of it. It was just a a crazy, crazy time. Yeah. I drove past that place recently and I was like, fuck that place. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember when I don't think you had the results, but they told you that Mm -hmm. they were pretty sure. And I remember I was like parked up the block a little bit and I remember her seeing her coming out and I was like looking in like the rear side view mirror. And could just see her like very emotional and crying. And it was just like, all right, this is, this just got very real. I guess like during that time when you were in the car, you were just prepping for the worst case. Yeah. If that yeah. And we, we had a it. drive yeah. from New York city to Long Island. And I think I just yeah. cried the whole like way. Two hour, two and a half hour drive. And it's like, I remember just being driving in the car and just sounded like a broken record and not knowing what to say, but just trying to be comforting and telling her, you know, it's going to be okay. But really knowing that it's, it's not, you know, it's going to be a huge life change and huge uh, experience and ordeal that she'll have to go through. And then I will have to help out as well. He was so calm though. Like his, his reaction just was like very like, I th- he was definitely scared because I was also like hysterical in the yeah. car, but he was like so good in that moment for sure of just 
staying calm and not like amping me up and like I you know like we weren't like feeding off each other's emotions. Yeah, just right. trying to yeah. bottle it up as much as possible and and just kind of be there for her to lean on and just kind of take whatever she was going through and eat it up. How did you regulate your emotions? Like I mean, was there any time where you did let out how you felt or did you just you know, try to stay calm whenever she needed you. No, I think Shauna would say I'm pretty good at just kind of bottling up a lot, whatever <laughs> I'm going through, <laughs> just kind of yeah. getting it. Um, so yeah, I mean, especially with her, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to bring anything, you know, make a big deal out of something that wasn't, that didn't need to be, um, you know, whatever we were going through or I was going through. So it just be the sounding board for her, whatever she was going through and just kind of, listen to her and, and take it all in and try and keep even keel and, uh, and support her as best I can. Right. Yeah. How about with your friends and family? Were you the same way? Did you regulate your emotions with them or were you a little bit more open about how you actually felt? Yeah, I think, yeah, for the most part, I tried to kind of just, just keep it the same all the way through. Um, you know, there were definitely times or whatever, if I was, you know, walking the dog or doing something on my own where, you know, just kind of let it out. However that is, but yeah, for the most part, just tried to try to be the steady, steady force for her and, uh, kind of keep it even keeled. Thinking about how you were feeling as her partner and her right side person, you also have feelings and I'm just like really surprised how you were able to bottle up all your emotions just throughout the whole case. I, I'm sure that wasn't, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm sure that wasn't healthy at, at some point. No, <laughs> definitely not healthy, but it's something I've always done. So yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that big of a change. Yeah. But you, I mean, I feel like you right. talked to your yeah. parents. You were pretty honest yeah. with your parents. Yeah. He, I was, you know, I had a, like a couple friends, a um, couple friends that I, like, from high school that I hadn't uh, talked to in years kind of reached out to me. They had either their family or their significant others went through something similar and kind of just, you know, bounce some questions off of them. And, and they were really helpful and supportive, of, you know, just kind of telling me like, look, there's, there's really, you're going to feel helpless. Like that's, you know, that's normal. The biggest thing is just to be available and to listen. So that was, that was huge, huge advice for me to kind of, look at it through that lens. That's really great advice. Did you do any research online about breast cancer just during like Shauna's doctor visits and such? Yeah. Yeah. I was constantly on like Google on my phone. Anytime I had like a a chance to whatever, you know, she was coming back to me and, and explaining certain things, I'd have to Google it and research. And then even when we were in uh, when I was able to go into like the uh, doctor's meetings, you know, just trying to take as many notes as possible. I just had like a pen and a notebook and just writing everything down and then, you know, Googling it after and trying to f- figure out what the hell all these terms and, and numbers. different numbers. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you Which, probably felt like super overwhelmed. I, I still <laughs> to this day couldn't name her exact diagnosis because it just confuses me all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that <laughs> is very much like you, Rosalina. At, like he, he gave me a printed out list of questions to ask the breast surgeon. 
That's so funny. He did it. Yeah. That's so nice. Um, so nice. And he did. He took like impeccable notes. Like just, I mean, he wrote down everything in like keynote type form. Kind of like you. And yeah. <laughs> you guys both get me through. Like, We're similar. <laughs> yeah. So, the notes thing was just huge because it's just like so many thoughts are going through your head. And yeah. and for her, I didn't want her to have to be writing stuff down. Yeah. I just wanted her to like listen and process it however and i kind of just tried to to stay focused and and listen to what the doctor uh was saying and just kind of write it all down that way at the end you know if she had any questions or because i feel like she was going into these and there's so many thoughts in her head that when we got out she would almost be like blacked out like what just happened so i said it like every time i was like i blacked out after i like i would hear something i didn't want to hear and i blacked out and then i'd have to get in the car and like get a recap from matt like almost every like especially in the beginning appointments yeah yes yeah i mean that's so fair yeah that's <laughs> so fair uh, oh my I gosh think it wasn't until like after surgery where i felt like super desensitized i think to everything mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. that i was like it you know i don't even care at this point but like all those you know like those hard moments and those beginning appointments are just like yeah, it's overwhelming yeah and then they like, check yeah. trying to get all the information here, all your options, all your opinions. And then it's like, this was also before, like I had ever heard about the abridge app. Like, I wish that that is, that was like, that's used like even more in like doctors. You told me about that and I use it constantly. Yeah. 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 I've been using it as well. Like I wish doctors were like kind of promoting it so that we like could just. I agree. Yeah. Because not- we're not going to understand our diagnosis in the first visit god no (laughs) a bridge is an app that records your doctor's appointments and Mm -hmm. i think it transcribes it too right it does it does it does but you can go back and listen to the whole meeting i thought about recording it but i was like i don't know if this is like a allowed or if it's a violation or i know yeah, it's uh, exactly. like illegal to record somebody without yeah. their knowledge. So um, I just tried to yeah. write as much as I could down. But definitely, if I knew about that app before, then that would have been very I, Yeah, I know. Moving forward to Shauna's treatments. So, Matt, what was the hardest part for you while Shauna was going through maybe like surgery, her recovery, chemotherapy, radiation? Was it what you expect treatment to be? Yeah. For the, like the surgery and stuff, I was like, you know, obviously very nervous, but at the same time, like I felt that, you know, we went to a couple different like healthcare uh, facilities, hospitals, and, you know, I felt like she was, she was comfortable with the one that she decided on. So I was very comfortable as well. And it was just like top notch, you know, everything that we did, you know, they doctors would come in, they knew her name, knew her, all the information knew the whole thing. So she didn't have to go through it each time. So I was very, very comfortable going into it, but obviously just, you know, nervous for everything else that, that would happen. So as far as the surgery and stuff, that was, that was okay. And for on like a personal side the facilities, they were awesome. There was like a whole catering hall that I was thoroughly enjoying. Oh, the snack room. Yeah. With like a omelet station and, and the whole, whole lunch and, uh, oh yeah! Breakfast and oh, no way. The, hospital. the hospital, hospital has yeah. Yeah. the best cafeteria yeah. in New York. Yeah, at NYU. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's incredible. It's so good. I had to go pop in there Damn. for a COVID test, and I ended up eating lunch there. Yeah, 
before surgery, before my exchange surgery. I was in there just like... I don't think I've ever been to the cafeteria at UCLA. Mm. Well, NYU one... Brian didn't good. either, but yeah, <laughs> NYU oh, well, gotcha. you didn't stay overnight, too. That's true, yeah, I did it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when you were overnight, that was like a weird, weird feeling, too, like coming home and just like empty and just kind of being here and like eating and hanging out, you know, watching TV and just kind of knowing like what she was going through and her just kind of being in the hospital alone was, was pretty oh. tough to, to get there. Even though you had like all the, I loved it there. I didn't want to leave. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We went back the next day. She was not yeah. in any rush to get out. I was, I was actually kind of upset. You were already on the way. I was going to say it. <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, I was nervous because we had gone to like plastic surgeon appointment before surgery. And that was like, listening to, you know, talking about drains and what it was going to be like and incisions. And I remember the doctor left and Matt was like white as a ghost mm. and was like, I don't feel good. And I'm like, I didn't even have surgery yet. Like, are you going to be yeah. okay? Do you were, remember that? Yeah. They were like talking some, I don't know if it was talking about like whatever it was, it was like some like cutting something out and it just like hit me and just, I got very queasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> white as a ghost and i was like <laughs> and i was like are you okay and he's like i don't feel good i was like if you can't handle this you can go in the waiting room yeah. <laughs> like, are you still like that now no i don't know i don't know what it was they were talked about but just something just kind of hit me and yeah, um, you. yeah. but yeah mm-hmm. not as much i haven't had anything like that since it's just that one time Yeah, it was one time and then i was like i, I at that point too i was like he has to strip my drains. I'm not doing it. Like, is he going to make it through this <laughs> surgery? <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, literally at this point, we're worried about like you getting through yeah. it than me getting through it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so how about like uh, chemotherapy or like radiation? Was that hard for you to watch her go through that? Or the other question is, was the treatment that she was getting like what you expected or was it completely different i don't know if you would agree but for me i thought it like it kind of the time flew by i mean we were in there for like four or five hours but i felt like it was it was very fast i was like i was was just sitting there the whole time i was in a coma so (laughs) Um, but yeah it was it was uh it was once again it was just like a weird feeling of her kind of you know dozing on and off or in and out of uh, like sleeping and just kind of watching her body react to these drugs that they're putting in her. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then the cold cap and it was just like a weird, weird experience and just kind of having to sit there and watch your, your partner kind of deal with all this and, and not, you know, knowing that it's, it's in the end, long run, it's good for her. But obviously at the moment, it's just like doing so much to her body. So that was a weird, weird yeah. feeling. There was like a full snack room, like a whole room full of like <laughs> soda, drinks, crackers, snacks. He just like helped himself. Yeah, um, I was just walking around the place. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, the amount of yeah. money like I spent at that place, yeah. like you own the snack room at this point. Yeah. So after, uh, after the first time, I was like kind of, you know, 
being careful or whatever. And then after this first, first time, I was like, all right, we're, this is our home. Yeah. This is, and I was like, we're taking snacks for the road. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you'd be passing me pretzels. I'm like, I'm like, half alive. <laughs> um, but like he had to put my cold cap on too. And I was like, I talked about it in season one, like super triggered by the cold cap, the smell of the cold cap, getting it on the tugging. And like, I would have like tears streaming. This is even before like getting the chemo medicine, I would be crying because I was just like, the smell of it was making me nauseous and like trying to get, he had to put my cap on. Like there was no offer of like a professional capper at my, at my facility. So it was basically Mm -hmm. like you watch these movies, man. I had to watch like a tutorial movie and basically figure it out ourselves and like some of the nurses so i mean i had like my one chemo nurse like majority of the time but the first four i switched i bounced around a lot with different i think it was yeah the first four i had different nurses for the first four the hardest ones and um one woman was like i am i have no idea what to do so matt had to be the one that put it on every time I always felt really bad and there was a couple of chemos that i went into just like really upset like just like just know, you know, especially I think with, you know, doing AC, like just knowing I was going to feel like shit the next like five days and just like being anxious about it. He saw like some major breakdowns at chemo too. Yeah. Putting on the cold cap was definitely, it wasn't the easiest job to do. Um, just cause you have to mm-hmm. get it on like so tight. And she was, I could tell that she was very concerned about it fitting right. And it's yep. just very like. It's not something you just slide on. Like you have to be pretty rough and kind of pull at the elastic bands to get it tight. Yeah. So at times I felt like I was Mm kind of like manhandling her in her head, but you know, knowing that's what (laughs) she wanted because she wanted to be as tight as possible um, to be effective. So, and like she said, there wasn't really like, we watched the video. There was one nurse that kind of showed us how to do it, but otherwise it was on me to do it every time. And then, you know, if we were going every other week, you know, each week was almost like a new time doing it. So I think just also by the time I switched to Taxel, like I had such a better reaction. Like my, I just felt like a normal person. So like, not that chemo was just way easier to go to just being like, okay, like it's every week I'm checking these boxes off, you know? So my spirits, I think were a little higher. So I think it just, Mm -hmm. but that smell of the cold cap was like the worst Mm -hmm. part. Yeah. Yeah. You did not like that. It was like instant. Like I would honestly get so nauseous instantly. I was like a Mm -hmm, Zofran mm -hmm. before I even got to chemo because I just, I couldn't even like stomach the smell. So yeah. And he had have to like wet my hair in the bathroom and we would both be soaking wet and like he would help me because I would have my port. So I had, you know, like the pre-meds going in and he'd help me like, get my big comfy, the comfy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like he kind of did it all. So we had a little, little process going. Yeah. Made it easier. I know that you mentioned that like the doctors in the hospital that Shauna chose is like, she felt comfortable and thought that they were like the great hospital and doctors for her. You also felt the same, but besides, I guess, just that, was there something that you wish that Shauna did differently? You know, I knew that she was like doing her homework and, you know, I didn't want to be like forceful on what she should do. There were like a, some family friends or coworkers that kind of reached out that people that, you know, were trying to connect me uh, with people that went through something similar that she was going through. So I tried to like make some connections there and um, at first I was kind of upset that she wasn't like reaching out to these people, but then I realized that, you know, she's got to do it her way. 
then you know, right. I can only mm-hmm. I can only suggest and, and try to offer help. But um, ultimately, it's you know whatever she's comfortable with, and and uh, you know I knew that it wasn't like she was just going into it blindly. She was doing all the the uh, necessary research and and preparation. So yeah, I was very yeah. very confident in in what she's done and and uh, how she was going into it. Yeah, I think like um, when you get information from like other people, like sometimes that information doesn't involve like what Shauna is going through. Cause like mm-hmm. each diagnosis is different. Yeah. Everyone's journey is different. Someone could say, Hey, Shauna should do this, but it's like, it doesn't even pertain to her because maybe she's hormone positive or, you know, right. So, right. Um, and also yeah. too, like, I mean, there was obviously people that were super close to me that like, you know, like my friend, Nicole, whose mom, and sister both had passed from it and had just like major family history and did a, you know, she did, uh, she did a preventative to me. You know, so I felt super, and I like, I'm around her all the time. So I felt comfortable talking to her, but it would be like a coworker who went through it where it was math coworker. And I'm like, I don't know this person. And it's a connection to him. And like, I just, it was sometimes easier to like talk to people in the support groups that were like truly, truly strangers rather than like a degree of separation. Uh, yes. I don't know if everyone feels like that, but I think for me, I just needed to, yeah, you're right. Like I did, I needed to like just do it my way. That was my way of being in control of my own situation. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So Matt, I know, you know, like Shauna and I in season one, we talked about fertility so Shauna also mentioned this funny story <laughs> that you had to do when uh, they had to collect your sperm. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, should, I, mean, I didn't tell him I told that story until he listened to it. Other than that, like, what was the IVF experience like for you? It was the, the wee-wee pads on the couch was like scarring. <laughs> That was okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like uh, I want to like almost like post the picture <laughs> so everyone could see. Like poor Matt had to go into this room with like cl- like the art on the wall was uncomfortable. The wee wee pants on the couch. Like Matt didn't even want to touch the remote. Like it was just like and then oh, like no. the lady wa- who walked you <laughs> in. Like there was just like whoever had watched their video before Matt. It's just on the screen. It was on the screen. So the woman went to like walk him in and like explain the TV it to was... him. And there was just like porn oh, blasting geez. on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> he just, I'll never, I'll never forget your face walking out of there. I was just dying. Like I, his face was just this smirk of like, he could not wait to tell me just like, what was in that room. It was a very, very memorable experience. Um, and yeah, like you know, the room that they put you in is on one side. It's the only room on that side of the office. So everybody, and you walk right out into the waiting room. So everybody knows what you were doing in there. But like the biggest thing was, you know, that I had to keep telling myself that there were people in there for like, you know, there was, you know, it might've been their last chance to, to have, to have uh kids. So I had to, that's why I was grinning and holding back. Like my real, my real emotion of what just happened, <laughs> um, but I was eager to call my friends right after and tell them the whole experience. And 
of course they, they couldn't I mean, believe you have it. to you know yeah. yeah it was like honestly and <laughs> just like not and it's not a joke like he said like there's people in there that you know like this is they're spending so much money and like you know they know like you know maybe somebody only had like one time that they could afford to like have this and like you know it like wasn't like like we wouldn't shouldn't have been in there like fucking around thinking this is a joke because it wasn't a joke like we didn't even know what my results were going to be but it did make the situation like light everyone that had listened to our podcast like i need to laugh i need to make this funny somehow and like that was kind of like our way to do that. yeah we tried to make it somewhat light and i did have a pretty i guess crude joke when we were coming up the elevator and like the doors are about to open i just I looked, I go, you need to get me horny. And as I said that, the door opened and somebody <laughs> was walking in. So they definitely heard that. So I was in the stirrups making jokes to the fertility doctor. Like the entire time, like it was a joke. And it like it wasn't it wasn't a joke. Like it was very, very real and serious and expensive. Fast forward to like just a few weeks ago, I just was working across the street from that uh, facility. And so I was, I was there for like a month, just kind of checking in every day at this job and uh, just going by there every day. I was just giggling to myself every time I looked over across the street yeah. and saw the sign. <laughs> I mean, it brings like some sense of like lighthearted laughter, you know, into yeah. your the most traumatic experience that you guys yeah. have gone we through. Did, we did have a lot of that. You know, as like a serious, like he yeah. was really good with like turning it on and turning it off. He kind of always had that sense of like, we can joke about this. And like, now is not the time to joke about this. Like I would say something like that would be like super dark, like super dark where he didn't think it was funny. Once Shauna has mentioned that she needed to do IVF before chemotherapy, was that an easy choice for you, Matt? Or did you have any reservations? about creating embryos together. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely had to, had to think about it when she first went for the test, you know, it was just like a light switch went on. Everything got very real, very quickly. And that was just like another, another step where it was like, okay, like this is, you know, it's not just the present right now, but it's, you know, for the future as well. So it was just something I just definitely had to, you know, take a step back and think about and, you know, we had some discussions and, and figure out, you know, okay, do this right now, but then, you know, what does it mean in the future? And, you know, what is, what is our future? So it's just very, you know, honest conversations and, and, you know, looking at things, you know, not in the present, but further down the road and, and really trying to figure out, you know, what, what's going to come out of this. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if, if you felt this way, but in terms of like Brian and I, we, we were forced in that situation to talk about the future and having kids together. You guys always talked about the future together. Yeah. I mean, we have like talked about the future, but it was always, you know, it was, it was never, uh, uh, like it wasn't a definite thing or, you know, it was just kind of, you know, yeah, well, when that comes, you know it'll come and, and we'll go from there. But this was more of a, yeah. you know, this is what's going to be the future. This is what the future is going to be. So need to decide now. It's hard to also be talking about the future when like you have this situation at the moment that is like kind of like taking over. Right. So it was like hard to get, you know, like, like a cancer diagnosis, like knowing what's coming, it's surgery, it's this and that, like 
it was really kind of hard to be like, okay, like how are we going to sit here and like talk about like, and I am not a normal person to where like, like I have to, I was overthinking everything. Like, I was asking him questions about situations that like no, probably nobody on the planet would ever actually be in. Like I was like, well, what if this happens? And like, what if we don't end up, you know, we're not married. What happens if we don't end up together? This is my only chance at having a child. What are we going to do? If I decide to do it, do you want to be a part of the kid's life? Like, it was just so many questions. I was spiraling. Like I was like, I need you to be like, at least thinking about these questions in case of anything. I kind of really took it like really, really, really far. And he was kind of like, I think you had said at one point, like, that sounds like a future Matt problem, like basically being like, you're being a lot. And like, we will like, we don't have to figure out every little aspect of this situation. Because like, it may happen, it may never, like ever, ever happen. I was like being a little obsessive and crazy over the the what ifs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you were. But you know, I also think it's it was it was good to have those talks anyway, even though some of the stuff might be like far fetched or whatever, and like there's zero percent chance of that happening. But it was good to just you know put it all out there and have an honest conversation and and really kind of go through everything and, and the different possibilities and make sure you know the decision that we were going to make was going to you know that we kind of exhausted all efforts to to think it through. And at the same yeah. time, it was like a lot to even be like do you want to do this? Like, do you want to create embryos? Like I knew I was going to freeze eggs, but like, it wasn't until like we got down to the IVF where they, you know, were telling us, you know, there's better chances with embryos. And Matt lived in Detroit for a couple of years, then came back to New York. Matt ended up switching jobs. And then our end goal was to like move in together. At that point, I didn't never thought about like us. I mean, I always thought about like us having kids, but I just wanted us to be like living together in the same city. Like that was like really like my priority at that time, you know, but that was like the end goal for me is like for us just Mm -hmm. to be here in New York together, living together. But now I have like a cancer diagnosis. Like I had to be fully present in that fight. And then like, now the two of us have to have this conversation about like the possibility of like future kids. I didn't wrap my head around it until we had to fill out that packet of paperwork and get it notarized and the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that was like difficult. And then I felt like a lot of pressure. I didn't want to be like, will you do this for me? I was like, is this something like you want to do? Like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And it was hard. I didn't want to put pressure on him. Like I knew I was going to freeze eggs regardless, but yeah, I mean, after like a lot of conversations and, you know, we made the decision we we did and mm-hmm. I feel good about it. Yeah, there. Yeah. Like decide to do it together. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that the IVF process, like the shots, the cost and the results was worth it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a lot to do um and i don't know i don't know if we'll know if it's worth it until you know ultimately we need to to use it but i think it's a great yeah um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know insurance, insurance policy. policy or what but it's it's nice to have that um option you know down the road was it worth it yes definitely right now in the present because it gives us that that option in the future and allows us you know to it will someday come to that decision on what we want to do with those embryos, but it's definitely a lot of money. <laughs> yes, 
definitely a lot of money. And it's like, <laughs> that's the big, only the beginning. Like yeah. we have to then defrost. We still have to do genetic testing. Mm-hmm. We still have to like figure out if we're doing a surrogate or like, if I'm going to be healthy enough to want to carry a child, like we haven't even like hit the cost threshold yet of like what, yeah. how expensive this is mm-hmm. going to be. And mm-hmm. like, and the storage like, fee. God, yeah. yeah. That year came Annually. quick. That year of $100,000 came up quick. I just called them today because I was like, wait, I didn't receive anything in the mail or an email about <laughs> I have to pay up <laughs> for yeah. a storage fee. $800. <laughs> to be 1000 I'm not sure what the difference <laughs> is. Yeah, I mean, I know at this point, I know. But honestly, like, like it, it is. It's a future Matt and Shauna problem that we'll figure out, you know, down the line. Yeah. So, Matt... Do you feel Shauna is like a different person now post-cancer? And if so, in what ways? I think anybody that goes through that, I don't know, I just think you're like very, I don't think it's necessarily more than you were in the past, but you're definitely, you know, with your social media posts and, and people reaching out, you know, I think you've become with this podcast as well, kind of have, I don't know, like pay it forward or what, but just kind of, you know, you have all this, for, unfortunately, you have all this experience. And I think the fact that you're willing to share it publicly and, you know, privately with friends and, and other people that reach out to you, I think that's it's incredible um, to kind of put your story out there and then, you know, be willing to, to help and support others, you know, that, you know, might just be some stranger on the internet that reached out to you, you know. It was the, the, um, the Verizon Fios girls today at the door, right? It was like, do your checks, ladies. One of us, like my mom had breast cancer. I was like, get genetic testing. Like, I don't like they're at my door trying to nice. sell me a yeah. table, and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, do your breast exams. Like, yeah. lunatic to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you you feel the need to, yeah, oh, hundred percent. But I will say, I, I'll add to that. Shauna has made a difference already. There's women out there that listen to the podcast who reaches out and wanting to know, you know, the different things that Shauna has purchased for her mastectomy surgery or about chemotherapy and like any advice and tips that she may have. So you've already made a difference, Shauna. Matt, in the beginning of this year and probably even like after post-treatment, Shauna has really struggled. How has that been for you seeing her struggle, thinking that once you're finished with treatment, people picture it as like, okay, you're done. Now you can live your life. But that didn't go as well as we thought it would be in this case for Shauna. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's you go through this whole process and, you know, we're going on like 18, 19 months now since like the first diagnosis or first, uh, appointment. Uh, appointment. Yeah. And it is, you know, people are always asking me like, how is she doing? And I'm like, you know, she's okay. She's, you know, technically you're cancer free, but you know, it's, it's not like it's just, it's over. Uh, which I kind of knew, um, like my father had prostate cancer, you know, he did like did the surgery and all that, but then, you know, every year he goes in for like three or four checkups and it's just kind of, it never really goes away. I feel like, you know, you're always, 
you know, either reminded about it or, you know, having to go in for these appointments. So in that sense, I feel like it's, it, you know, it will just probably be with us forever. And, you know, we'll always have to be careful and, you know, she'll have to be, be alert and, and just kind of aware and not let things slip through the cracks. And, um, so in that sense, you know, it, it just feels like it's something we've kind of, for me, I feel like we've just kind of adapted to, and, you know, it's just, unfortunately it's part of life and, you know, we'll kind of live our life around it, you know, and, and do what we want to do and, and, uh, and everything like that. But, you know, we still have to be conscious of, of everything that, uh, she went through and just kind of always, you know, think about that, uh, in the back of your mind, as far as, you know, just like going forward with everything pain from like all my hormone blocking meds. Like you saw like me, I couldn't like barely walk. My like my limbs did not move. Like my ankles, my joints didn't move. Like, you know, and I was crying all the time. And like, you know, it was like frustrating. I was like, like I was miserable. Like I was even I was like I was making myself miserable. Mm -hmm. Like it was just so sad. Like it I it just was so like broken. Like that was the word. I was just so beyond broken. And I think like, you know, I think there was a point, not that you got fed up, but there was definitely a point where you were kind of like, I think you were just like, you know, you, we should be enjoying this time now. We're not running to mm-hmm. hospital centers. Like, you know, you're done with surgery for now. Like we should be enjoying it. And I just like physically I, and mentally just broken. And like that, yeah. you had to see that that was probably just as worse as seeing me at chemo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, that's a great point. It's definitely tough because you are like the, you feel like, all right, this is over, you know, uh, surgery's done, chemo's done, radiation's done. Like, let's, you know, let's go live our life. Let's go do stuff. But then, you you know, it is like, you know, your body can only take so much, especially with everything else that you're, you know, like you said, like the hormones and everything else that you're going through where I just, you know, for me personally, I have to always kind of remind myself like, you know, um, we can do stuff, but we might not be able to do, you know, as much, you know, if we want to go out one night or, you know, go do stuff during the day that, you know, you are going to be tired. You know, you, if you're, you're going through all the stuff you're working as well, like, you know, it's just different ability to. to And the anxiety too. Like I was so in my own head of being like, it's just so anxious all the time that it was like holding me back and then therefore was holding him back. And like, that wasn't fair. And it was like really hard to kind of, you know, being off my meds, you know, my hormone blockers. Like I finally feel like I'm a little bit more myself now. Like I definitely feel better and like wanting to do more things. And I mean, it's been like a busy couple of months, but I feel like we're kind of getting into a new normalcy. Matt, do you, feel that cancer has brought you and Shauna like closer as a couple or just added more hardship to your relationship? I think it's definitely brought us closer, you know, like with the IVF, you know, these, these real conversations that you're having, um, you know, about yourselves and about the future definitely brought us together more. And then, yeah, just kind of, you know, dealing with the different hardships. I think, you know, you can come out two ways, really. You can either grow apart or, you know, I think even get a tighter, yeah. tighter and stronger bond. And I think fortunately we've come out on the positive end of that. Yeah. We see in the support groups, a bunch mm-hmm. of like a lot of women whose partners leave them the second they're done with treatment. And it's very common, like just it's, you know, it becomes so they're, I was just going to mention so that, that yeah. it really does. Like you're right. It goes one way or the other. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's definitely, you know, tested us and our relationship, but yeah, I think ultimately we both, you know, just want to be there for each other. And yeah, you know, I try to support her through everything. And I think she's trying to be conscious of everything that you know, I'm dealing with as well. So. Yeah. So Matt, how was being a caregiver like affect your day to day? Yeah, it was, you know, it was definitely tough. The drains or something I wouldn't wish anybody had to deal with. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I would give myself shots for IVF, but I would not strip my own drains. It was, it was just tough because you're like stripping. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, yeah, I, I'm, I'm shocked, Shauna, actually, because I, I wouldn't even let Brian touch my drains. I, like, he just did it from the top. Yeah, I was going to say the drains, though, was just like, with the drains, you know, the way you have to do it, you have to be like very aggressive and like, you know, like stringing these things out. And I just, the whole time, I'm like, God, I'm going to like pull this out. And then we're going to have to rush her back to the hospital. I would like hold it too. So yeah. like he would do it and would do it aggressively. So we didn't have to do it like multiple times. He just did it so fast and efficient. And I'm like, I'm glad because if I would have had to do it, I, it would have just, I don't, but he did it from the jump. Like, and I don't even, think I asked you to do it. I think you just did it. Like no, they told, asked. I did ask. Yeah. Or the doctor asked if I was comfortable doing it. Oh, okay. So they like released you. Okay. All right. Well then they, it was like another thing where they just, yeah. you know, they show it to you once and then you they go and send do you it. on your way. Yeah. It's true. It's so true. <laughs> I did my own drains, but Brian would be so adamant about like, Hey, did you write the number on the paper? Did you write how much there was in the cup? I'm not sure if you were like that, Matt, too. Like trying to jot yeah. down every Everything. morning and night. down the times like, <laughs> okay. all of my pills, all of like, we, he came in with a grid, like an Excel spreadsheet of like everything that <laughs> I, every time I took a med, when I took it, how much fluid, like, I'm telling you, you guys are like, I wanted Kindred to spirits over here. I wanted to get like we had like the clipboard. I wanted to get like the hook on the door. So it's just like yeah. had it all there for <laughs> yeah. the other question I wanted to ask is since your life was more involved around Shauna and her diagnosis, did you had any time for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I don't know if you mentioned, but like while she was going through this, I was in between jobs. So I was trying to leave my previous job and then it just kind of lined up with her going through everything where I explained it to my boss and we had like a mutual parting. Um, so then I was, you know, no job, but was able to concentrate and help her out hundred percent. So that was, that was a huge, huge benefit. So I had a lot of time and a lot of time to help her. And then, you know, I had some wow. time to do my own thing as yeah. well. And so it was nice to have that time where I could, you know, know she was, she was okay. And whether it was family watching her or just, you know, she was okay to be on her own where I could kind of get out and, you know, like go play golf or play basketball or do whatever and get that time, you know, where I could somewhat get my mind off everything that was going on and, you know, be able to relax and recharge and, yeah. And then, uh, you know, have that little, little separation where I could kind of just let my mind go. 
And I was very like supportive yeah. of that. Like there was a chemo he missed because he went on like a big golf trip with his friends and he felt like so bad about it. And I, he was like, I'll come, I'll leave early. I'll come. And I was like, no, like absolutely not like, go on your golf trip. Like go, like you deserve it. Like you've done nothing but yeah. like be with me. I'm fine. Like my sister took me to chemo. It was fine. And like, mm-hmm. I really did try to like make sure that he was like, trying to enjoy himself. It was summer too, you know, like if he wanted to go out, I wanted him to go out. If he wanted to play golf, I wanted him to golf. Like I, I won't say that like either one of us are like super codependent on each other. Really? I think like we both like had, you know, we, we did a long distance relationship for a couple of years and just like knew how to do things alone. Like we didn't constantly have to be together all the time. And I really was like, you, you deserve like the time go golf. Like I'm, I'll be fine. You know, like I just like wanted him to be able to like have that outlet of him, you know, having his time, like me time, but like his time, you know, yeah. but yeah, I also yeah, wanted me good. time. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you need, like you, you need some time to yourself. Maybe it's like, you know, 30 minutes, an hour. Yeah. Whatever is perfect for you, but like I, I feel that everyone needs some time to themselves mm-hmm, <laughs> for sure. What advice would you give to other caregivers in the same position as you? Yeah, I think just kind of like what I mentioned before. It's you know what my one of my friends said to me was just you know you're gonna feel helpless and like that's okay, but just the biggest thing you can do is just to to be present, be available, and to listen. And that really kind of hit me. It was like, like, yeah, you know, I, this is something I've never dealt with. So I will, I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, for the most part, she doesn't either. She hasn't experienced it either, but just to be there and, you know, whatever she needs, you know, whether it's just somebody to vent to, um, you know, either she asks questions or just, you know, needs me to run out to the store and get her something just kind of to be there and be available. Personally, I thought that was like the best thing I could do is just to make sure Anything that she needed, I could I could take care of it. You just like knew what I needed when I needed it. Like when I just like needed you to be like, this fucking sucks, like, right? And you would be like, yeah, this really fucking sucks. Like rather than spinning it and having like the positive, like, you know, and just even too, like in the beginning, you're just like, we'll get through this. Like we're going to get through this like together. And it was just like so nice because I don't think I could have done it without. I know I couldn't have done it without you. I can't imagine going through this. I'm going to cry. This experience without you. Thank you all for listening and supporting our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us. And we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer. Ladies, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and fellow breasties. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram at TYFTS Podcast and email us at TYFTS Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us a message. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes. 